Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, as you'd expect, we looked ahead to tonight's football in the company of Evertonian and comedian Sam Avery and uh, actor, TV presenter and United fan Simon Delaney. Uh, we also spoke to John Wilkin from the World of Rugby League, who's also a small businessman, and he told us about uh, both. Also, um, we heard from uh, Basil Brush, um, <laughs> rather strangely this afternoon. And he was watching the cricket, which did slightly cloud uh, everything that happened this afternoon, as you'll discover. We also, uh, on a more serious note, uh, dug into the archives and, and heard from the great uh, John Carlos, one of the players that infamously raised a glove fist at the 68 uh, Olympics. Um, that was, of course, after the uh, cricketers, yesterday the West Indies cricketers took a knee and raised uh, a glove fist in the same way before the uh, test. We put some historical context and heard from John uh, this afternoon. So um, that plus striker, etc. here it all is. <laughs> We'll have to try and work on this sound issue, Andy, uh, in the first break, I think. But for now, we'll, we'll crack on because we can hear you. But it just it, it sounds my end. I don't know. All it the sounds technical it, faults we've had of all. It sounds like you're phoning us from the annoying. 1950s. Uh, I, I don't quite know what it is. Anyway, um, we'll do <laughs> we'll deal with it later on. We'll deal with it later on. In the meantime, are you enjoying the cricket? No. no, honestly, John Norman, they're giving far too much credit to the West Indies. Yeah, they bowled all right. They put it in the right place. England were. Pathetic. So that worst thing, no aggression and just try and survive, survive, survive. Oh, I haven't survived. I've got out. Fantastic. Well done. (laughs) Honestly. But I don't think either of these teams can bat, apart from Holder and Stokes. I don't think either of these teams are going to make a lot of runs. So I'd be surprised if, you know, John says 250. I'd be surprised, A, if England get to 200 and B, if West Indies do that much better. You know, which is not surprising. The batters haven't had any chance to get any rhythm, but, you know, it's annoying when they just get out brilliant reviews, though, by the West Indies and terrible umpiring. The, the Pope one, no, not the Pope one, the Crawley one. I saw. Hmm. It was ridiculous. You go, well, that's out. Of course it's out. The umpires go, oh, no, I don't think so. I know why, because he, he thought he got an inside edge, but he, he clearly didn't, and uh, it wasn't great. So there you go. Never mind. Um, I noticed uh, something last night, actually. There's been a lot of chat about the drinks breaks, you know, and... Uh, <clears throat> The problem with this is the Premier League had a chance. What they should have done, and they should have thought about this really, is 
Once the temperature is over 25 degrees, then have a drinks break. But all these games have been this week. I, I went and checked all the venues and the weather. All have taken place between 13 and 18 degrees match yeah. time every game. So there was no need for drinks, you know. And if they did want to get rid of, if they do insist on the drinks, what they could have done as well, was they could have made the players have the drinks on the pitch and not allow the coaches to go anywhere near them so they couldn't use it as a timeout. Because now it has become that. There'll be coaches pushing for that. And I don't think, I don't think it's right. I think it's really, you know, I can see why the coaches like it, but I don't think it's within the spirit of the game. I don't know if you saw, I think it might have been in Italy. I don't know where it was, but the, one of the coaches during the drinks break had the board out with the counters on <laughs> and the little pointy stick. Yeah, oh, just that's ridiculous. Fairly shameless about the whole that's thing. That's not good. That, that really isn't good at all. The other, the other um, problem with it, if you change it now, though, you would get that old sporting integrity People would say, you know, they've it. had drinks breaks, so why can't we have drinks breaks stuck and tactical it. breaks? Yeah. Cannot change it. They, once they've done it, they're stuck with it. That's the whole point. They have to do it. So even if it's 13 degrees, exactly the reason you just said, they have to have it. But they, it'll get to the stage, it Andy. So it'll get to the stage where they'll be having a hot drink. So <laughs> some of the games have a little bovril every 20 minutes into the game. Be quite <laughs> Martin, Tyler said soup. I mean, it's not, not surprising, really. It was a quite, we'll talk a bit of last night. It was an amusing moment then. Lamptey, he's, he's a good player, he's a good prospect for Brighton and I can see why he left Chelsea. He could see his pathway wasn't there, and that's fair enough. And mm. he does look a talent. And but there was great when Mane left his arm in on his, and it hit him Lamptey in the face. And I was thinking that was Dan Burn, who's about six foot seven, which hit him in the stomach. So it was a <laughs> yeah. bit unfortunate, really. But there you go. Uh, I was quite pleased though when Salah got the third goal because I mean I can pack up my book because honestly these double headers are quite grueling. You know, to watch two, three games of football a night is quite a lot. Uh, my wife's saying that she's a football widow again, so she's not very happy about it. But there you go. That's the, that's the job. Yeah, what of course can you do? The other night, I was, um, I was watching the Chelsea game, and I, I don't know if I've put on a lot of weight during the uh, uh, lockdown, like a lot of people have, but I sat on my toilet seat and I cracked it. Completely. <laughs> it was brilliant. Really? Sat down and went, yeah. Wow. So, uh, so we've got a handyman local bloke that we use. And, uh, well, yeah, I think so you, started, gonna, you put a new one in, you're not going to glue it, are you? Well, he couldn't get order a new one, so he had to glue it and uh, <laughs> and put a block of wood underneath it. So I'm Blimey, hoping you have put on some weight. We're going to get an MRI at the zoo next. <laughs> exactly, but uh, you, know, you can imagine during a Chelsea game, I'm sort of quite you know trying to concentrate on the match, and he's sort of telling me about this toilet seat, why it's gone wrong, what sort of seat you need. I'm going to look, hang on a minute because I'm, I'm just watching out my work. I've got to watch this game. Oh, okay, sorry. And two minutes later. Now, the problem with the seat is, yeah. oh, for goodness sake. That's I, model seven, four, stroke three. <laughs> what ideally you need for a person of your weight is seven, three, stroke four with a, with a reinforced. <laughs> so why can't you just change your toilet so you can buy them in B&Q? Is it quite a funky specialist one? No, I don't think specially, no. Uh, I just think the, finding the, the right fit, the right one. God knows I'm not an expert on toilet seats. Well, yeah, anything, really. Post, sorry, Posty's <laughs> here. Posty's waving at me through the window. But uh, it's, it's a mad world, isn't it, at the moment? Posty's saying, what should I do with a male? But anyway, we got it all sorted. <laughs> Don't worry. Crazy world. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Well, Everton looked to bounce back uh, this evening after that uh, performance against Tottenham earlier this week. Joining us now, Evertonian and comedian who joined us in the studio back in the day when you could meet people in the studio. Sam Avery, good afternoon, Sam. <laughs> Hello, boys. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it feels like a million years ago, of course. It was probably only about six or seven months. But uh, how, how has lockdown treated you? Are you one of those comedians that's done a bit of, a bit of uh, online stuff or not? Yeah, I've, well, I started off with the whole thing trying to do live streaming stuff. But after about a week, I just thought, I can't deal with the stress of this because all the equipment always starts breaking and the, the feed goes down. And then you're getting all these messages of people saying, oh, you're, you're out of sync with your, your picture. And you're like, oh, this is, this is rubbish. <laughs> so what I've been doing instead is just like making stuff, you know, making sketches, writing sketches and putting them online. And that, that way you've awesome. got complete control about what goes up. So it's a bit more, you know, a bit more less stressful. Yeah. Now, your show was called uh, Confessions of a Learner Parent or the Learner Parent. And uh, how have you been with your kids in lockdown? It's been a challenge, hasn't it, for <laughs> parents with young kids? Yeah, it's been all right. So, so I've got twins, the five, and uh, so they're in reception, or they would have been just finishing reception. So it's just, uh, it's trying to keep the energy levels up. It, it is, some days I do feel a bit like Everton's midfield, where I'm just not quite at the pace <laughs> that I need to be, and they're running down, and I'm just like a, a yard behind. And it, it, sometimes, like, I, to use a, a cricketing analogy, that's one thing me and my wife started talking about. You know, when you talk about taking time out of the test, you know, just like seeing seeing sessions through. That's what a lot of homeschooling is. It's just it's just finding something, putting them in the bath, and it's oh they're happy. Oh, I can get a shave now, and I can do something else. But the other day, I was, I was we were just because like we've tried to make sure we're doing reading and a bit of writing and stuff, so they're not completely like you know still in the the the, you know, the learning process. But it's, it's some days you're just in the middle of doing something. One of my lads said to me. Daddy, we're going to start school soon. And I was like, all right, I thought we had. And I'm dancing around the kitchen in my underpants doing air guitar with a badminton racket. And they, you know, it seems like at, at this point now, they, they want to get a bit more involved in, in the academic side of things. So probably I'll have to rethink how, how I'm approaching it. <laughs> so um, that was Not a easy. weird performance against Spurs, wasn't it? It was, they weren't, I mean, I just thought they can't be that bad second half. And lo and behold, they were really. Yeah, it was really poor, and it was really disappointing after the, the, the first three games, which, albeit they were real kind of workman-like performances, they, were, they seemed really well set up, and everyone knew what they needed to do, and there was there seemed to be a real hunger, even though we, we gave away a lot of possession in those, those first three games. We didn't seem in danger that much, certainly against Liverpool and Norwich, but it, it, just, it just all fell apart against Spurs, and I think that's kind of the cracks in the team. I mean, they're there for all to see, and we knew... We knew the areas that need strengthening before Ancelotti came in, and I'm sure he knows it. Even though we've had, we've had good performances, so it's probably not a news flash to anyone. But it just it's just so frustrating because as an Everton fan, we seem to have all these. I think Gary Neville was talking about it after the game. We have all these games where you think, right, if we win this, we'll, that there'll be a real kind of glass ceiling that we're almost sort of knocking on there. Mm. We just always seem to fail at that hurdle. So it's. I think it's a mentality thing that, that, that I know Ancelotti's come out this week and said that like there's a real mentality shift that needs to happen in the club and I think that'll be interesting to see how he goes about that. I don't know how your shows go when you uh, come down to uh, London but uh, something about Everton you know, they never play well do they in London yeah. I mean they got smacked by Chelsea but it's, this has been going on for a few years now hasn't it so you think you know, all Evertonian comedians come down to London it doesn't really work for them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no idea I, I, I've, just, I've just looked at the figures for my next London show they've just dropped off at <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is it does seem that way I remember when I think it was the last time we beat Arsenal I went to that game and it was at the old Highbury it was in 1996 it was the year after we won the FA Cup and I went down I was only 15 and me and my mate jumped on the train and went down to Highbury and it was one of the best days of my life and it was amazing and every time we go back to 
you know, Arsenal, the Emirates now. I just think, oh my God, the last time we won down at that club, I was in school. You know, it's, I'm 42 <laughs> now. It's ridiculous. So, <laughs> and, and there's a lot. Of, I, know, I know Tottenham. Tottenham's another club that we really struggle with away from home, and it's it's uh, it is demoralising really. But I don't know what it is. I don't know what that. Is. I think there's a deep rooted sort of issue that needs to be ironed out. I think. Now, just finally, we've. I see you've got some tour dates uh, for mm. September. I don't know if they've obviously been put on the back burner at the moment. It's it's difficult. Yeah. Right? I mean, nobody quite knows what's going on, but we can say we can find you on social media and you're, you're putting stuff out on YouTube as well, etc. Yeah, the tour dates have been moved to, to the autumn, but they'll probably get moved to next year. I don't know what's going on, as, as no one does, yeah. like you say. But if you want to find me online, uh, Sam Avery on YouTube or, or Sam Avery, the learner parents on Facebook. But there's new videos all the time. And um, yeah, you, you, you'll probably be able to see the... the uh, how I feel about the Everton performance tonight on those channels as well. <laughs> <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Uh, you would have seen yesterday, just before the start of the, uh, the first day of the first test, uh, the, the players all taking a knee and the West Indies players raising a gloved uh, fist in the air while taking a knee. We also saw overnight MLS players, a game returned, Orlando played into Miami. And uh, the players, again, had a, a, a raised glove fist, that, this time for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, the time that George Floyd was uh, restrained wow. before his death. So a very powerful scene. Um, and, of course, the inspiration uh, for this uh, is uh, goes back to 1968, the Olympic Games, as I'm sure you know, and the, the two U.S. sprinters, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, uh, on the podium collecting their medals, uh, arriving shoeless, and uh, wearing a black glove with their arms in the air is a very powerful moment, not just in sporting history, I think in, in history generally. Um, sure. And we spoke to John Carlos, didn't we, Andy? We, we were talking about it earlier on today. We were, we were privileged that he came and saw us in the studio when he was on a, a yeah. tour of the UK and, and told us uh, a little of his story. So we decided to raid the archive. It goes back to 2012. And he was a fascinating guy with an incredible story. And you forget the third man on that podium as well, Peter Norman, and, and, and we'll come on to him and the relationship that, that John Carlos and uh, Tommy Smith had. But um, let's hear a little bit from him. Um, we were asking him why there was more shock at what uh, he and Tommy had done from within the United States than there was maybe from other parts of the world. Well, I think outside of the United States, uh, many people had a far better understanding than what was going on in the United States. At that particular time in the United States, you have to take into account it was only one media, the right-wing media, and they put their spin on it to intimidate society relative to what they were watching on TV or what they saw in the stadium that particular day. It didn't give that much cushion because it was so in your face. You know, this is the first time anything on planet Earth, anything like that has happened. Mm. And then they put a spin on it. It kind of corrupted the people's thought process in terms of thinking for themselves and evaluating what they just experienced. So, you know, you show you how great God is 44 years later. Here we are. Many people are coming back to realize that this was just what it was intended to be, which is a humanitarian uh, statement to society. Do you remember when you and Tommy first discussed the idea of doing it? I tell you, was this after you both <coughs> won medals? Uh, no, we actually discussed it at the quarter semi, the race just before the final. In terms of uh, 
wanting to make a statement. You know, we were disenchanted about the fact that the boycott was called off. We didn't get enough individuals that felt it was necessary mm-hmm. to, you know, make a statement in regards to uh, the perils of society. Uh, and I just told Mr. Smith, I felt like uh, I wanted to make a statement. What was your thought about it? He said, I'm with you. Then from that point on, we began to uh, talk about what artifacts we had to bring to the table, such as the gloves or the scarf or the bead or the shirt, uh, lack of shoes and so forth, to symbolize what we were saying relative to society at mm. that particular time. Yeah, well, I th- I'd forgotten that. They pushed for a boycott, Andy, of the Olympics uh, initially. Uh, and, and obviously that, that had not happened. But um, no, It's interesting in talking about the media being right-wing and all that, because doesn't really change that much really in America, <laughs> let's be honest. No, that's yeah. true. And there was a lot of myths that grew up around it and a lot of kind of different stories about the significance of some of the stuff that happened when they made that protest. And we asked him about that um, because uh, Tommy had his right fist in the air and John had his left. And uh, w- there was a suggestion that it was Peter Norman, the Australian, who'd won silver. Uh, who maybe suggested that and who showed solidarity with them. And he, he talked about that as well. No, actuality, we had one pair of gloves. And Peter's suggestion was, well, if it's one pair of gloves, Tommy, you take with gloves uh, that you choose because it was Tommy's gloves. Right. Uh, and I took what was left. So not uh, the story then that you'd forgot your gloves. That's not true. That's right? fictitious. You right. Know, okay. So many people came in and <laughs> created so many stories. They never really got to the truth. They just wrote mm. the story to make it look good. And people often wonder about Peter's attitude to it, but he was completely supportive of it, wasn't he? Oh, 1,000%. You know, when you take into account, you know, you have to take into account that when we returned from the Olympic Games, we, meaning the three of us, uh, we came back to the United States. You know, we knew what the United States' attitude was, big business, the government. Everyone's attitude was very negative towards us. So we took a licking. I had to keep on ticking. Uh, Mr. Smith would get beat down. They'd get tired of beating him. Let's go find John Collins. Beat him. They'd beat me down, and Mr. Smith get a chance to rest. But in essence, with Mr. Norman, with Australia being parallel to South Africa in terms of attitude towards people of color, just merely because he wore a button that said Olympic Project for Human Rights, they beat him down 24-7. He didn't get a relief time. But with our respect and always admire and love about Mr. Norman is that he never backed away. Mm. He never denounced what he stood for. He never denounced us. He never walked away or turned away from us. He carried it to the end. And that's that's rare. What, what eventually happened to the glove? Where is it now? Well, as I stated earlier, those was Mr. Smith's gloves. I thought once we did a demonstration, he would hand the glove back to me, say, John, you keep the glove. But he took the glove. And uh, to this day, I think he misplaced, misplaced the glove somewhere. No. So only God knows. And the other story that people say is that you and Tommy had your medals taken away, but that's not true. You... Fictitious. Fictitious. Just propaganda that they put out for the last 44 years to intimidate young individuals to tell them, hey, we have these blinders on you. We don't want you to be concerned about society. We don't want you to be concerned about your parents. All we want you to be concerned about is the golden carrot. Uh No, they never took our medals, but they intimidated everyone else to tell them, if you step out of the circle and think for yourself— we will penalise you and take your medal away. It did uh, destroy their careers. I mean, uh, and John, John went off and played a bit of American football and then had different injuries, but they were never really able to compete at the same level again. And Peter Norman, the Australian they were talking about there, he was finished. Nice, he nice. became actually a better yeah. runner. He was ostracised when he got back to Australia and wasn't able to run in 72 at Munich, although his times were good enough and he was arguably 
a much better runner then. Um, and it, it, he had problems all his life. Even when they had the 2000 Olympics in Australia, he wasn't officially invited. It was only when US track and field stepped in and made him a guest of honour that uh, he had an involvement. He died in 2006 and both um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos gave uh, eulogies at his funeral and, uh, and carried well, his coffin. So them, didn't he? That's yeah. right. They retained that bond uh, for all those years. Um, we also talked to John uh, about the moment when he realised the effect that uh, that moment with him and Tommy Smith had had. Well, I realised the effect from the time I was a young child at seven, eight years old because God gave me a vision of what was going to happen. Unfortunately, at that particular age, I didn't realise that this was actually going to take place in my life. But he showed me in, in a form where a lot of people was excited about something I did. He had me standing on a box, as I say, waving to the crowd. Uh, when I went to wave with my left hand, and that was the fortunate thing for me to let me know that this was a spiritual divine what took place it's because I'm right-handed. But I went to wave to the people with my left hand. And just about where I went to put my hand up to wave, that's about where my hand was in, in the demonstration. Mm. But the amazing thing was that the response of the fans, although at, at that age I wasn't even shown in this vision what I did, but I did see the joy and the happiness and the elation about something I did when it dawned on me that they were waving and talking about me or waving and excited about me because no one was there but me. And when I went to wave, that joy and happiness and sunshine turned to stormy weather and anger and tyranny, name-calling, spitting, throwing things, telling me where to go. Uh, those are the type of things that I thought about on the victory stand. And in, in, in my mind, I said, oh, shh. Shucks. <laughs> Good recovery. Yeah. Oh, shucks. This is uh, what that vision was all about. Mm. So, you know, I had a prelude as to, you know, what was going to happen in terms of us having a rough time in life after that. I mean, the, the world's come a long way, and, and the USA has certainly come a long way, but we were just talking off air about, I was telling you about a trip to Memphis and, uh, and the Civil Rights Museum there. The country has still got a long way to go. We have to still evaluate as to whether we have come a long way. It's not just what's happening. We have a black president in the White House, and I don't think any president in the United States have ever gone through the tyranny that he's gone through. Uh, the mere fact that he's a black man, uh, they talk about he's not a citizen of the country. They question his birth certificate. Once they have this birth certificate issue out of the way, here we are getting ready to go into another election, and the state of Arizona is there talking about, oh, we're bringing up the issue again about we're going to take his name off the ballot because we don't think that he's an American citizen. This is ludicrous, and, and I don't think any other president in the history of this country would have had to go through the ordeal that he has. So we still have a long way to go. Racism is, is, a, is a virus. It's a germ. It's a disease. It's worse than AIDS. It's something that needs to be wiped out once and for all. And it probably in my lifetime and the lifetime of two generations after me to still be there. But it's something that you have to fight on a constant basis to wipe out. If not, it will poison the whole system of this society in which we live. And as uh, Colin Kaepernick and others have subsequently found, you can't make the kind of statement that uh, he and Tommy Smith did without there being consequences. And their life was pretty tough when they got uh, back to the States. And uh, I mean, their family was really put under pressure to the point where um, he split up with his first wife and she subsequently took her own life in tragic circumstances. And, And John admitted he felt the weight and, and the guilt of that. But So we did ask him, did he ever regret that moment on the podium? No, you know, it's never been a regret about what I did. If if I could change anything, it would be uh, to think more clearly through 
the process in terms of how to protect my wife and kids better. You know, being a young individual, you think that when you stand up for what you believe in, you know reprisal is coming. You would think that would come directly to you. Uh, I didn't think anything about them attacking my wife or attacking my kids in the way they did. Uh, and my wife took her life. My kids had to endure a lot in the school systems throughout the United States. And uh, that's the only thing that I say I would think through further in terms of how better I can protect my wife and kids. But other than that, if my wife had to die a thousand times over, so be it. She'd have had to die a thousand times over. So so be it with my kids. They had to endure it. And I endured what I endured. And I would do it a thousand times over again because it was necessary. I feel that I was born June 5th, 1945 to make my appearance October 16th, 1968. There we are, John Carlos, who chatted to us back in 2012, putting a bit of context, I think, on uh, those uh, raised glove fists uh, by the West Indies players and the MLS players last night. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Now, Super League Rugby uh, is uh, Rugby League, of course, due to return on August the 2nd. There are a few issues uh, still surrounding that, and so we thought we would check in once again with the man we last saw in person at the National Football Museum up in Manchester uh, of Toronto Wolfpack. It is uh, John Wilkin. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, fellas. How are we doing? Yeah, we're not, we're not too bad, John. I've, I've been kind of keeping an eye on, on sort of uh, what everybody's been up to in lockdown. You've been quite busy, haven't you? Via the business, um, you and Mark Flanagan, your business partner, have, have been doing your bit for the NHS along the way. Yeah, well, yeah we've, we've got um, a... a, a a series of uh, coffee shops in 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 the northwest, and we've also got a bakery. So, when I'm not sort of partaking in, I suppose the thuggery of rugby league, I'm making delicate pastries for a living and delivering <laughs> them. Um, so yeah, that's been really busy. Um, and yeah, we did a little feed the heroes campaign for the NHS, but but we, we've rolled the shutters up at our bakery and been selling bread to the people in the immediate area. So yeah, that's been busy. And there's nothing more humbling for your ego than delivering two baguettes to Janet at 46. You know, that, that, <laughs> you know if, you, if you take your ego out on the delivery run, you get shot down. So I've, I've well and truly been put in my place during during lockdown. Oh, brilliant, though. Well done. It's a nice touch. Yeah, no, well, definitely. So how long have you... Uh, you're back in pre-season training, in effect, I would imagine. Yeah, well, look, I've just been filling my recycle bin full of bottles of wine for the past eight weeks. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's... Uh, my <laughs> radar to be fair the business has been so busy and, and there's so much left you know to be decided with, with rugby league there's, there's, there's obviously a return date but um, we haven't returned to training we've, we've, we've had to sort of document our training and, 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 and you know issue certain running sessions and do that via you know technology but we, we haven't been able to go and train as a group and um, there's not a huge sort of commercial backing towards the testing procedure for players and therefore, you know, it remains an issue in such a close contact sport of how we actually can train and how we can even play without a really rigorous testing sort of process in place. So there's loads of questions to to uh, to, to sort of be answered really before we can get going. And, and like I said, we, we, we haven't trained as a group uh in in three months it's, it's been it's been it's been an interesting time for everyone hasn't it yeah as you said a lot of unanswered questions including promotion and relegation there's been another delay on making a decision on that of course 
it's been a tough season for Toronto. Understandably, first season in, in Super League. So I guess everybody involved with your club will be hoping that they decide uh, not to have promotion and relegation. Well, yeah, obviously we sit at the bottom of the table. We, you know, for people who don't know, we we, we came up from the the championship, and, and it was our first year. There was a a big sort of um, splash with us because we signed Sonny Bill Williams, who people recognise. You know, as one of the most sort of. Uh, was one of the most recognisable rugby players in the world. That that brought with it a fair amount of pressure and attention. And maybe in the first six games we didn't perform, but promotion and relegation. I think it, it's only right for it to be put on hold because it just feels like an age ago that we played it. it you know, it doesn't feel connect. We were only six games into the season, so it, it, it feels strange that we're going to resume and just continue where we left off when so much has happened in the meantime. But I need, I need I honestly need to get my head around playing rugby again. Uh, the day before lockdown, I just due to have surgery on my knees, and I told Sonny Bill Williams uh, he demanded the surgery slot ahead of me, so he got his knees sorted, and I didn't. <laughs> so I've been I've been locked down with with two knee injuries that need sorting. So I think my first protocol is going to be to go see the surgeon. Unfortunately, oh, no. oh, <laughs> yeah, dear. Oh, no. yeah. No, it's not all that bad. I'm getting on. Good stuff. Yeah, right. So, am I right in thinking you're you're married to an Olympic swimmer? Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, I married uh, uh, Fran Halsall uh, for my sins, and she she was uh, yeah three time Olympian, uh, fastest woman through water over fifty meters. She's mm. she's holding this up so I can read it out now for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so world world champion, European champion. I'll tell you this in the morning. I sit yeah. on my toilet and contemplate life and I have to look at world records on the wall. It's demoralising for a man in the morning enjoying the comforts of his bathroom, having to look at your wife's achievements that are far greater than your own. Because <laughs> we, we've, we've had a lot of chats about swimming. I mean, a lot of people who love swimming can't go. They still can't go. They haven't opened the pools. And I think this afternoon, they, Andy, the, 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 the word is they're going to get the OK this afternoon. Gyms oh, and swimming are, pools yeah. this afternoon, so... That's what they're saying. Yeah. So I just wondered, you know, what she felt about it and whether they should be open or, you know, it's it's a tricky one, but... So it I, is, I think, yeah, she, she thought a lot about, obviously, the Olympics, you know, in uh, due to be this year, and, and she's mm. thought a lot about, and, and, and she's actually been recording some videos surrounding, you know, what it'd be like to be approaching an Olympic Games, you know, a four-year cycle where your focus is so intense on this one period of time. For all those athletes who were in the peak physical condition, mental condition, to then have to just press pause for 12 months is so much more tricky than it sounds. So Fran has been thinking a lot about her friends who are still competing and what they're mm. going through. But, but yeah, she, I'll be honest, she's not done a lot of swimming since she, she finished. So she retired after Rio. Um, she was, I think, 600s off, off winning winning gold in, in, in Rio and ended up coming fourth. I mean, the margins in that sport are so tight. Yeah. You know, the team sports, you know, football and rugby, we're so blessed. It's, you know, you can have a bad day and win. And, uh, I remember getting to Rio and watching that and it was it was tough to watch. But since she's retired, I don't think I don't think she's really swam. She, she's, uh, I don't know what she does, actually. Take it she's not listening. So uh, the uh, um, your your coffee shops, your Mike's coffee shops, pot kettle black. Are you, have you been able to reopen now? Yeah, we we reopened. So we opened on the fourth as per sort of government guidelines. The killer for us is when when Boris sort of famously said, "Don't go to pubs and restaurants, but you can stay open." And that week for us was really. 
you know, that was it was really close to, to, to you know, sending us under. We've, we've, we've had some good help from the government. We should see an announcement about VAT being freezed. It's, it's great for hospitality. So we, we've come out of it not in a bad position. Like I said, the bakery's been a huge, huge success for us and we're, we're delighted with, with how that's gone. But we, we've got reopened. We've got screens between tables. We've got hand sanitizer everywhere. We've, we've got our... our um, Baristas and, and waitresses and waiters wearing masks. Um, we're doing all we can to get people in. And to be fair, the first weekend's trade was was, was very very busy, which we were delighted about. And I think as many people who were nervous about it, there's also a lot of people who who are keen to get back to some sort of normality. And food and drinks are a, a big part of the economy and a big part of people's lives. So we're just delighted to be back open and delighted to have some some customers, which just feels strange. <laughs> Here we go. Fantastic. That's Good it, to talk it, to you. Yeah, thanks, lovely to John. talk to you, yeah. John. Uh, and uh, we hopefully see you back soon because it's is it whole KR your first game, your old club. So that's that's yeah. due to be the first game back, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I thought I'll be watching with with him on the crutches, but yeah, it's it's, it's come, come round pretty quick as that. So, like I said, I need to uh, stop being a normal man and start being an athlete again. <laughs> <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. Normally when we speak to our next guest about Manchester United, it's a tale of woe. They've just been beaten or they're selling a player or something terrible is going on. Uh, going wrong, but not this time. It, it's all gravy for Manchester United at the oh, moment. Oh, yes, Sitting pretty in fifth. Going for a Premier League record tonight. It, uh, this is yeah. quite an odd one, really, isn't it? Have you seen this, Andy? They're yeah. going to become, potentially, if they win tonight by this margin, the first team in Premier League history to win four consecutive matches by a margin of at least three goals. And the way they're scoring goals, you wouldn't put it past them, would you? 
No, I mean, you could argue now they're playing how they should do. In the early part of the season, they were completely and utterly underperforming. They've spent £200 million this year. They're entitled to have a, a decent season. But they certainly have impressed me since uh, the yeah. resumption of football. They're playing very, very I think they are the form team in the, in the league at the moment. So that's short to Bochum. Uh, and joining us now is um, <laughs> at uh, Manchester United fan, uh, Simon Delaney. Good afternoon, Simon. Afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Andy. <laughs> what uh, even, a yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, were you expecting it to go quite as well as this uh, after lockdown? No. no, I mean they were they were showing good form just before everything came to a standstill. Um, you know, with the arrival of of Fernandez, who it's turned out to be a bit of a Cantona esque almost signing. Um, they were showing good form. They were on a great run before the lockdown, and I think you know some things fell for us then in terms of you know Rashford was out for the rest of the season like Harry Kane they're both back now playing you know so Rashford being back for us is a huge help but there's no doubt about it that Fernandez has made the difference I mean he's got he hasn't been beaten yet as a United player you know the last time we lost was mid-January against Burnley uh, then Fernandez came along and we haven't lost a game since um, I don't know what it is. It's very strange watching them at the moment. Obviously, it's strange watching football full stop with, you know, no crowds and that. But I'm just thinking, I, I, you know, I'm wondering has that has a has that had a positive effect on United, particularly at Old Trafford, um, you know, because the crowd were they can get on your back, particularly as was their want over the last season or two. They went to goal down against teams that they shouldn't be going to goal down to, and I think that they're playing with freedom and Pogba's playing with a smile on his face. I mean, the fact that Pog was playing is great. Um, and himself and Bruno seem to have struck up a real relationship. And even Fernandez link play with, with the likes of Greenwood and Martial and Rashford, it's all, it's all clicking into gear. The thing about Fernandez is different to other players. He actually passes the ball forward. That's his first thought, isn't it? And it makes such a difference. So many players, you'll see they just abdicate responsibility. They knock it sideways or play it backwards. But he's generally trying something, isn't he? And that's what makes him exciting to watch. You know, isn't it one of those players, Andy, that every club wants? They want a fella, just give me the ball. Give me the ball and I'll do something with it. There's no... There's no hiding, you know. They're constantly looking to either get on the ball and then affect play once they have possession. And their first instinct, as you say, Andy, is go forward, attack, attack, attack. And that's what's always been the lifeblood of United. And he's definitely brought that back. I mean, you know, Matic looks like a different player. He's had an incredible six months, and that's obviously been rewarded with a new contract. But, you know, McTominay was flying. He can't get in the team now. Fred had done well from January up to the lockdown. He can't get in there. All ancillary players. I think we're seeing Solskjaer's best 11 now uh, in the last two games. I think that's his first 11. And there's nothing to say they can't go and beat until the end of the season. And they've got a semi-final cup. And they've got the Europa League. So, you know, if you said that to me back in January... I would have probably told you to go and see a doctor. You know what I mean? <laughs> Back to you in a second, Simon. We've got to head down to Southampton where there's been another wicket, John. 157 yeah. for seven now. Joss Butler departs for 35. More brilliant bowling from Jason Holder. His fourth wicket, spearing the ball into the right-hander. Uh, the ball straightening. Butler taking the edge and Shane Dowrich, who was all over the place last time he uh, played in England, got uh, some coaching from James Foster, the uh, Essex and England uh, wicketkeeper. Well, it's paid off. What a one-handed grab that is. Diving to his right. England in trouble now. 157 for seven. 
told you. You see, John mocked me for saying 150. They'll be out for 160. It's not that big difference, is it? <laughs> still got four, well, three wickets. Though. I've seen some pathetic batting in my time, but today has been appalling. That okay. shot was just appalling. Hopeless. There we are. Absolutely so Andy's in a good hopeless. mood. Uh, well, Simon Delaney is with us, uh, uh, actor and Manchester United fan. And uh, <laughs> he's like you when you're talking about Manchester United. Yeah, I know, yes, to... it's, I have to say, Andy, I know, I, I feel sorry for you, but it's very, very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, um, uh, all that chatter then has stopped, doesn't it, about Ole and uh, Pochettino. And uh, I, think it's fair to say, I think he's earned the right to take you into next season. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, as you say, that chatter... And, you know, it, it was strong. It was strong amongst United fans that, you know, he just wasn't up to it. Um, you know, it was. You could hear those voices around Old Trafford and on social media, etc. But no, he's definitely he's got something going. You know, he did a couple of things, Paul, from the touchline just before lockdown. And I remember one in particular. Do you remember when he sort of he shouted at Lingard? Lingard had given the ball away twice within two minutes and you literally saw Solskjaer standing there and shouting at him do it again and I'll take you off and that's exactly what you know the fans wanted to see that's what they wanted to see from their manager and I think he's definitely steadied the ship you know he obviously wanted Bruno Fernandes in last summer why we didn't get him is beyond me but we have him now and you can see why he wanted him because that's, that's just made such a difference Absolutely. Yes, I wish he stopped going on about the Manchester United way and this Manchester United this and that and the other. You think, all right, get yeah. the idea. Goodness yeah, sake. It's, uh, everything but, uh, that happens over the next hour and ten minutes will be coloured by the poor form of England's. So he'll be, he'll be, um, yeah, he'll be ruining everybody's chips over. Oh, it doesn't no. matter who comes on. We got Mother Teresa on. He'd start having a go at her. So uh, I'm just, although it would, that that is a tough booking. I'll give you that. No, that would test fair, anybody. She, she'd have been better batting for us today than what we've had. <laughs> Harry Pilling. So uh, Simon, what are you what are you up to at the moment? You're still you're working on TV still. Uh, over in Ireland? Still working away, Paul, yeah. Still doing breakfast TV over on Virgin Media one of the weekends, cooking away um, every week on the show as well. Yeah, just written my first novel, which will hopefully be out next year. And, Brilliant. Uh, oh, great. And uh, launched a new food business in the middle of the world's greatest pandemic. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, look, you, you must come and tell us about the novel. That would be, be fantastic. So. Absolutely, yeah. Once I'm back over in the UK, you'll be you'll be my first date. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Yes, there we are. It's oh, uh, Hawksby and Jacobs here on Talksport. You enjoying the cricket, Andy? Three. No, three <laughs> overturned. Oh, I'm enjoying West Indies bowling. They're bowling very well. Let's be yeah. honest about that. And fair, but three overturned reviews, which a is brilliant work by Jason Holder. He's a terrific cricketer. He's taken five wickets now, um, but the umpiring. I mean, you have three decisions overturned. The next one, you might as well just give it out. Whatever happens, even if you don't think it's out, because you're obviously having such a terrible day, you just go, all right, it's out, and then if it, you can turn that over and review as well. It's, of course, it's we've boring. got home umpires, haven't we, of course? We've got a slightly different setup this time yeah. than we would normally have. Well, if, so. it a, if it was a... Del- League Division 4 game, there'd be a bit of suspicion. <laughs> Honestly. Now, we mentioned earlier on, Andy, Adama Traore uh, dislocated his shoulder again for the fourth time this season. There are times in life, there are people out there that have got these things that, that be, would be horrendous to us, but they just say, oh, it's popped out again. They take it in their stride because they're so used to yeah. it. And I knew this would uh, work with the TalkSport listeners. So, for example, uh, one of them says, didn't put his name on it, my right knee dislocates quite regularly, usually when I'm crowded 
crouching down in a slightly unnatural way. I can feel it coming and I have to build myself up to snapping it back in. <laughs> so again, taking it in his stride. Uh, this is uh, from Dainty. He says, my son's kneecap keeps dislocating, literally goes out by 90 degrees, pops back in again, and he doesn't play for three Ooh. weeks. It's more common than you think. Um, uh, we can't do that one from Roger. Um, <laughs> I, I did Roger thir- in Durham, was it? <laughs> no, it was, no. I did 30 years of uh, martial arts, dislocated both knees and my right shoulder 20 times. It used to pop out if I rolled over when asleep. I just popped it back in again myself. Eventually, I had an oh. operation, and it's fine now, says Cabby Mark, on a very slow yeah. day in Worthing. I don't know if Traoris had an operation, but that's what you normally do. You have to pin it or something like that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, but when you've got a weakness like that. um, Laurie in Oxford says, when playing in an under-15 rugby game, I got a knee to the jaw and it popped out. Now, despite treatment, whenever I eat a particularly crusty slice of bread, it will pop out and it'll probably... (laughs) (laughs) That's a a weird one. That's bad. It is. Um, and uh, one, one other quick one. I have dislocated my left shoulder many times, says Glenn, but it was okay as I played left midfield and didn't tackle anyone. It got so loose that I once sneezed at my desk at work and it dislocated. <laughs> as I rolled around the floor uh, in agony, I decided to get the surgery. So uh, thank you for all of those. You can keep them coming. It just popped out. Uh, you seem to take it in your stride. Talksport.com forward slash J. You can text to 81089 or you can tweet to TSHNJ. Right. Did you? Um, I should see. Are we, where are we? Do, are we going to do? No, we're not. We're going to do strike. strike you yet. got a bit of time, though, Andy. You carry on for a minute. Well, yeah. if you want to. No. Um, did you? See, I didn't see the cricket highlights. The cricket back on the BBC last night for the first time. For no, I didn't either. I was watching football, yes. mm. and there wasn't any point really because there wasn't much cricket. But apparently, they drafted in uh, Captain Sir Tom Moore. You know, to oh, be brilliant. part of the program. Well, brilliant in a certain sense. A bit crass, yeah. though, isn't it? Really. But anyway, <laughs> he's a cricket fan, so he said. We know that patience is a virtue. He said, we're used to waiting. Now's the time has come for our great game to return. So, fair enough. He obviously wasn't predicting how England were going to bat. Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm he's, glad he's you weren't on with him. After the- <laughs> he's, he's probably quite annoyed now. He's thinking, I wish I hadn't gone on there. <laughs> <laughs> you know in the newspapers, though, you know when they do this thing where they sort of fill out... Uh, they, they sort of put X's in, but they, they 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 mean to go back later and put the teams in, but they didn't today. They forgot. So okay. tonight's game on Amazon Prime Video is. I'm very much looking forward to it. It's X X X X X X versus X X X X X X. Oh, I said that should be a good game. Tremendous. That should be a corker. It should be, shouldn't it? Uh, what else have we got here? Oh, yeah, this is a this is a salutary tale, actually. This is hmm. John Barnes, the uh, former Liverpool and football pundit, of course, now. And, uh, yeah, not the plumber. Liverpool England yeah. ace. Yeah, John Barnes. And he basically he, he, he used the Mersey Tunnel toll and he gave the bloke two quid and the guy didn't have any change. So John had a little moan about it on Twitter that uh, he... He said, how can you hand out, handle money but not give out change? Yeah. And, of course, then he got, like, a Twitter pile in. And you think to yourself, John, have a think about this. 10, 15 years ago, if you'd have gone over the mercy toll and you'd given the bloke two quid and he'd given you no change back, what would you have done about it? You might have told your missus. You might have told your family. You may. You probably wouldn't. No. You know? <laughs> so why why bother? What's the point? I don't, I don't get it. And, <clears> and you, the other, there are two tests. There's that. Would I have done this 10 years ago? And the other test is, would I be interested in this if someone else had tweeted it? 
So, for example, if I'd tweeted the fact that I'd given two quid to the toll bloke and he didn't give me, John Barnes would think, oh, that's very interesting. What do you think? <laughs> Who cares? So well, that's, yeah, that's the criteria yeah. you have to do. You have to say okay. that. Would I be interested if, if somebody else did this? All I would say is that, that that's just given us a minute of national radio. So the idea that no one's interested, Andy, you obviously <laughs> felt it sufficiently interesting to bring up and bring to the masses. Didn't you, really? <laughs> well, I probably did, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not siding with John, but I was expecting, if you worked at the Mersey Toll, you'd have, you'd have a, 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 a surfeit of 20p's on the basis that most people give you two quid. You should have a big bag of them, shouldn't you? Not that it matters. Well, you should. Yeah. It doesn't matter, though, does it? I don't Do think a man on the toll's getting to rich about. by pocketing 20p's, is he? He won't be retiring on the proceeds. <laughs> So many things to worry about. That wouldn't be one of them in my book. But anyway, let's, enough, should we have Striker? Would you like Striker? Uh, oh, yes. Steve Bruce's murder mystery novel, of course. Mm. We'll pick up where we left off yesterday. And the Lettersford town manager, Steve Barnes, no relation, is uh, contemplating uh, what tactics to use ahead of the promotion six-pointer with Fulton. Fulton. Uh, he's uh, debating the use of 442 with assistant boss Eddie Carberry. Does anybody care? Despite the fact that they have no recognised senior strikers left in the squad. It's like Villa, uh, after Pat Duffy was murdered and Jimmy Lawson was placed on the transfer list. I think a couple of good lads with something to prove could get in behind them, I said. And that is what we practised. Front runners getting in behind defenders. I kept my eyes on all the squad and gave particular attention to Andy Niekirk and Danny Drever. Neither one is yet 18. They're promising players but have yet to win their spurs. At one o'clock, when the lads thought I was going to bring training to a close, I told them we were going to play five-a-side and that in the afternoon I would be pinning the probables on the notice board back at the club. Right, I shouted. Away the lads. They played their hearts out, each one as he was called. So far, We've not been defeated at home and Christmas is not that far away. If our away form matched our home form, we'd be streaking away from the others, as Sunderland did under Peter Reid last season. Back at the stadium, I enjoyed a frugal lunch of beef and salad. Frugal? Tiredness had been forgotten. I felt fit again and motivated. I was ready to go into battle next day. It was essential that we defeat Fulton. In order to win the three points, I'd settle for a 1-0 victory. It would be better for morale all round, though, if we could win resoundingly. Morale at the club and in the town as a whole had taken a battering this week. Add to that the effect on my family and the family of Pat Duffy, and you get some measure of the damage the murderer had caused. And he was still at large, waiting, possibly, to make his second strike. Although I'd been busy with training and tactics until well into the afternoon, my brain had not stayed inactive. You cannot switch off the brain and the workings of the mind just like that. A number of possibilities were forming in my mind. They all added up inexorably to a premonition, a deep-seated fear. The murderer was going to seek his second victim on the Friday, either before or during the game with Fulton, and I was likely to be a second victim. Wow. I hope they don't poison his frugal lunch. <laughs> when he's talking about those two young players, did he say they have yet to win at Spurs? I thought it won't no. be long. Yeah, it won't be long. <laughs> I'll give it a couple of weeks. Yet to win their Spurs. Old Eddie oh, Neekirk. Look out for Eddie Neekirk. He's, he's, he's one to watch. But uh, it's interesting. A, a frugal meal of beef and salad. Uh, it's mm. an interesting. I take it was cold beef. You don't want hot beef and cold salad, do you? <laughs> no. I may have gone uh, Spartan no, but... <laughs> rather than frugal. But that's just me. 
<laughs> no potatoes. I think that's what led him to the uh, frugal yeah. description. <laughs> yeah. Knows? So I'm glad it's got back to the murder mystery. I'm glad we're back because it was getting quite technical. Yeah, it was like football. It was. It was getting. It was getting. It was getting a bit Thomas Frank during the drinks break, wasn't it? Really, <laughs> got to get the old board out. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Let's head back to Southampton, where there has been another wicket, John Norman. Yeah, smart catch by Shea Hope in the gully, but Jason Holder's just picked up his Test best, six for thirty-four. And four of them have come in a five-over spell. Four for ten in five overs. He's not the quickest, but boy, does he pick up wickets. In the last couple of years, his uh, bowling records stand alongside any in the game. This one just too good for Mark Wood. Tailender, um, who was fishing, really, trying to get uh, quick runs with Don Bess. Uh, the outside edge flew so quickly to Shea Hope, though, who plucked the ball uh, by his uh, face whilst uh, jumping in the air. Uh, brilliant from Holder, less so from England. 174 for nine. Thank you very much, John. Have they, have they been playing football for three weeks? What have they been doing? <laughs> They've obviously not been batting. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. It's absolutely abject. Yeah, thank you, caller. Hopeless. Uh, Andy from Chiswick there. We'll, uh, we'll try and get him back later. So anyway, we move on. And um, joining us now to talk a bit of sport and more is the legendary uh, Basil Brush. Basil, very good afternoon. Hello, 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 hello. I can't believe that you've got me on to talk sport or talk drivel. You've had a choice. I can talk either of them. Well, that's fantastic. Well, look, no, Basil, wait, wait. You, I, I remember you on fantasy football. You were fantastic. You knew quite a lot about football in those days. I, actually, I'm quite knowledgeable as long as to do with the foxes. I can tell you everything there is to know. Um, but if it's about anything else, I know nothing apart from there are four corner flags, 22 players, one goal, and only one ball. But I am right. quite knowledgeable. Yes, Good don't stuff. ask me about offside. No, we won't. We won't go. In, we, we won't. won't. Uh, we won't dig deep into offside. Before we talk yeah. about anything else, we we should find out a bit more about the smiling sessions that you're involved with, Basil. Uh, tell us about oh. those. Oh, you are very kind to ask me about those. Yes, I've been trying to bring smiles to the faces of many people during lockdown. It's been a very difficult period, but these smiling sessions are specifically to help some of the folks in our care homes. And a group of us have got together to sing some old-time songs, songs from the past, because memories are so evocative with music and atmosphere. And, um, and I was kind enough to be asked, and I've done several of these now, to help some of our friends and old folks in the care homes so that they can remember back long ago and perhaps bring a smile to all of their faces. And I jolly enjoyed it, too. And anybody oh, who, you know, have often said to me, you know, I've been known to make grown men cry. But it's normally cry, stop it, we can't take it any longer when I'm singing. But I don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> you did used to That's sing out with a song, didn't you, on the show with Mr. Derek and Mr. Roy back in the day? You'd, offer, you'd end with a song. Oh, it was always blast off bezel or buccaneering bezel, you know, or a pirate. Yes, we'd always end at the end of the story. That's all we've got time for, bezel, and we'd go into blast off bezel or buccaneering bezel. You see, yeah. you must be of a certain age. You oh, remember that. I loved it. Okay. I, was, I never That's missed. Right. I never missed. I, um... I've been doing a bit of research, Basil, and uh, you're 58 now, 58. No. But I must say, you've not aged at all. You look exactly the uh, same. Uh, anybody who thinks I've had a facelift are talking out the Botox. Firm, <laughs> 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 firm. Yes. And you've aged well as well. Just grow fur on your face like old ladies, and it hides all the crack. Yeah. Uh, well, I wonder why he's 58 in Fox years. We should have to try and work that out. Well, I've got it here. Well, I think I would still be able to have a free television license, even though they're going to stop it at <laughs> 75. I think I will be old enough to have a free TV license and a bus pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, definitely. But it's certainly in Fox years, because for every one human year, there's 5.71 Fox years. 
which is oh, making you sort of 260 oh, yeah. or something like that, which, well, is, that's a, about right, which is a grand old age. Yeah. <laughs> you were at, uh, Basil, you were at the Edinburgh Fringe last year. And what was that like? Oh, it's fantastic. It was the first time I've ever been to the Fringe, actually, and I should have been back this year. And the oh. wonderful thing was we completely sold out for the entire run, which we were surprised at. Now in the audience were the 20-year-olds that grew up with me from CBBC in 2000s. And, of course, the folks of your age who need defibrillators if they get too excited. So it really was, um, it was tremendous. And we were supposed to be touring, going back this year. But of course, I am now a furry furloughed fox. So um, I'm back at home doing as much as I can for charities and, um, you know, trying to bring a smile to everybody's faces. But I'm still going and we will be back there next year. I hope. And uh, you still keep your hand in? You're still going down the bins in the local area, Basil? Do you do that or, or not? Oh, I always have a good rummage through the bins because when I do my pantomime at the Theatre Royal Windsor, they are slightly posher than the bins that um, you find in normal households. And I was disappointed that Harry and Meg had disappeared because Frogmore House is just at the, not too far from the theatre, so I could have gone and rummaged around there for a couple of takeaways. But no, I'll always rummage through a good bin if I have an opportunity. Let's hope we do get Panto this year. I mean, you know, you do a lot of live work, uh, and it's obviously all the theatre's dark at the moment. Let's hope for the best that we can get Panto back on at Christmas. I know we've got the football is back on. I mean, the strange thing is football can still go back on without the crowds there. Uh, and I'm disappointed mm. the Ryder Cup's been cancelled because, the, you know, again, not having the crowds here, it's not quite the same. You need an atmosphere. And I'm afraid in the theatres, you need an atmosphere and you need people to be watching you. It's not like a television. So I, I do hope that we follow football and eventually we can get the audiences back in there and we'll have a good pantomime and we'll all be back to normal. Let's hope so. Basil, always a pleasure. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much. Well, it's thank you very much for having me on. Boom, boom to everybody. Bye-bye. There we are. That's, uh, that's Basil Brush. <laughs> You can find out more on YouTube about the smiling sessions and they're looking to raise money to buy iPads and tablets for care homes <laughs> and isolated communities as That's well. Good. So good old Basil. Good good see, his I voice is almost love, younger than it used to be, Andy, isn't it? His voice, <laughs> he, is. he gets younger, he sounds younger as he gets older. I don't know how he does that for a fox of 250. Yeah. I, I normally love Basil, but the cricket's really annoying. I found him really annoying today. <laughs> <laughs> but I think everybody's, everybody's annoying you today, aren't they, Andy? Really? Uh, yeah, it's just, well, it, certainly. Do you get more annoyed about England cricket or Chelsea? I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty tight, isn't it? I would imagine it's, it's not much. I, I think possibly cricket. I think just right because the cricket team were worse than the football team, or is that it? You think? Yeah, I think that's probably right. Really, yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely true. <laughs> you've got to get a yeah. bit of perspective on it, though, eh? I think oh, that's I the. Oh, you never will, well, but you, you have. Got First to. of all, you've got to wait and see. You've got to wait and see how they go. So both yeah. teams have to bat, but they're in a they're in a good position. The West Indies they score three hundred here. You know they'll they'll win this game. I would imagine. Do you think the they'll West score three hundred on this wicket? Well, we'll see. Uh, it'll take a bit of doing, that's for sure. Yeah. But even even a lead of fifty or sixty could be quite handy. So, uh, but they have got a bat last. No, plenty of cricket still to be played in this game. Oh, the old tails wagging. Look, we're, they were, we're oh, rocking yeah. along now. We're rocking along now. Sensational. We're, we might get three hundred yet. Anyway, um, leg by. <laughs> <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Andy, um, we didn't get a chance yes. to mention a Basil Brush. That the animal yeah. kingdom is getting bolder. That could include the urban fox, but uh, it certainly includes the urban seagull. Um, what a story this was today! A psycho seagull left a man's mouth bleeding after pecking at him in an attempt to steal his sandwich. Stuart well, Emmanuel. Oh yeah, they're getting. I mean, nicking chips out of hand is one thing, but basically taking the food out of your mouth. Stuart Emmanuel, fifty-two, was out with his wife. 
and uh, he saved his. Uh, he said he saved his lunch in Weymouth, Dorset. But Stuart uh, chucked his cheese and onion sandwich away and said, "I didn't fancy it anymore." Well, a seagull had a bite out of it. Yeah, it does tend to put you off. <laughs> then he added, "What a lose lose situation," which I thought oh, was a dear. bit strange, really. But uh, poor old <laughs> Stuart. But yeah. yeah. Uh, the squirrels, they're getting bolder, I notice, when I take my dog. I mean, I, do, I don't know what's wrong with them at the moment. They just, they're sitting there waiting to get caught. You know, it's, it's a strange business. The animal kingdom's gone mad in lockdown. I think yeah, I mean, talking, you've seen all this stuff about Lewis Hamilton's vegan diet for his dog. And uh, no. he thinks it's a good thing. And But other experts are saying, well, dogs need more than plant food you know they do need a bit of meat so it's quite yeah. interesting but he he says the dog's much healthier and uh you know looking looking good so i don't know but yeah normally you think you know it could be a new trend vegan dog food <laughs> anyway a uh, bit of breaking a, news oh, yeah. on the sports front oh, yeah. andy i'll bring you up from the world of golf uh, the tiger is feeling sufficiently confident enough uh, to come back he's going to return at the pga tour for the first time in five months. And he's going to play at the uh, Memorial Tournament. So uh, the Tiger is returning. Mm, yeah, it was really a very interesting article in Sports Illustrated. It's a bit old. It's, I picked it up yesterday. But uh, where's it from? It's from April. And it's yeah. all about the, the cessation of sport in America. And how sport normally in times of crisis is there to comfort you. But of course, it's, it can't happen in America, and uh, it, it's been a it, yeah, it's been a shock to them, as, as it has been here, of course. But uh, absolutely, yeah, front cover just a row of empty seats, which I thought was quite poignant. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. There we are. Uh, that was uh, this afternoon's show. We're back tomorrow with Martin Kellner and the clips of the week and a whole lot more. Besides, hope you can join us. If not, the podcast will be available at five. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.